Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to Episode 7 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing Pennsylvania and to explore their solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. And that is the real trick, isn't it? We have a potentially contentious episode planned for you today. And like all episodes of the Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts. You, them, and me. Part one is all about you. Your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we are an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com because you are an integral part of every episode. And you can always listen in later, iTunes, Stitcher, Google, whatever your favorite podcast provider is. Today for the you part, we have a whole bunch of new questions from you, Poke. Thank you very much. One about plurality voting, loose cannon government officials. I'm looking forward to that one. The role of government in funding basic research, another one I'm looking forward to, and the appeal of government schools and a lot more. After the you part comes part two, the part all about them. Each episode we have a host, excuse me, a guest that we host, I'll get it right, to help us showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. And today our guest is bluntly political, Joe Bezrawi, a card-carrying member of the GOP. After that comes part three of the Pennsylvania Project, the me part, where it's my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on a particular issue that sticks in my craw. Today's issue, kind of a segue off our guest, two old political parties. And throughout the show, we'll be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to narrate our live commercials and whatever comes into our mailbag. And today we have with us a redux from distinguished Toastmaster Art Farnsworth, his second appearance. Welcome back to the Pennsylvania Project, Art. Good to be here, Ken. Good to have you back. A lot of people said some nice things about your voice, about your delivery. That's why you're here. So let's get right into that mailbag. And remember, our mission here is not to just complain, but rather to explore solutions. So what do we have for today, Art? Well, we start off with Denny Bonavita from Brookville, Pennsylvania. He asks a very short question here, Ken. What is the market share of that radio station, WWDB? <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a direct question, but it's a very vague answer. Because when we first were asked to, if we wanted to do this show... That was my first question. How many people does it reach? And there's two answers. One is we're in the Philadelphia market. It reaches all of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, all of Delaware County, Montgomery County, most of Bucks County, stretches out to Jersey and everything like that. I think the statistical metropolitan area is probably has about two, two and a half million people in it. So that's the potential audience. But it's very difficult to say who is actually listening. So what you have to do is either poll them or you go to that great god of television themselves, Nielsen. What Nielsen does is they go through and they divide up every broadcast market into what they think are the people who may be listening. And the number that they assign to WWDB in their infinite wisdom is 10,000 people. Are 10,000 listening? I have no idea. Are we going to try and find out? I have no idea. But now you know as much as I do. Nielsen says 10,000 the statistical metropolitan area says two, three million. Pick a number. I'll pick the first one or the second one because that number is huge. Yes. Let's move over to Montgomery County here. Jenkintown, Randy Garbin writes in with a question about education. 
asking Ken, what's the libertarian answer for public education? He continues, how does a libertarian get buy-in from a family of three who only has to pay $6,000 a year in property tax to send kids to public school when a private alternative might cost triple that? Well, the first thing I could say to Randy is they're not public schools. They're government schools. The government decides who can teach, who can't teach, who goes to school, when they don't get to go to school, what gets taught, how often it gets taught, and in all that they don't teach the Pennsylvania Constitution, but don't get me started. So it's government education, not public education. 7-Elevens are public. Our schools are government. But what, how does a libertarian get buy-in? Well, first of all, we are hampered. I have here my job description, the Pennsylvania Constitution. In Article 3, Section 14 says that the, the government shall run a thorough and efficient means of public education, meaning short of changing the Constitution, there's very, very little we can do, except we can work within those parameters. What I would, the way I present it instead is I would allow somebody into the equation who's been left out for far too long, and that's the parents. Specifically, I would like to see parents be able to choose any government school for their child, and the funding which would have gone to their local school will follow the child to the school of the parent's choice. That way good schools get more funding and grow, and bad schools get less funding and wind up being shut down. Now, a lot of times people say, what are you going to do, shut down my neighborhood school? Well, first of all, if it's a bad school nobody wants to go there, don't you want it shut down? But look at the positive side. That popular school is not going to be able to hold everybody, so they could take over that local school, use those same winning techniques that everybody likes so much to send their kids there, and rescue the inner city or whatever, the underperforming school, it could be outer city too, who knows where, and rescue the underperforming school. And that way, for the same educational dollar, we can get better education for our kids. Now, I don't know what direction Randy is heading in there. What's the libertarian answer? Obviously, the free market would be it. And I'll be talking about that a little bit later on with one of the other questions that's coming up. So I just don't want to blow it all in one, one single question. But that's a libertarian answer would be let's privatize it. But since the Constitution, which is difficult to change, says that we can't easily, then we work within those parameters to get the best possible education we can. Best meaning best in the opinion of the parents, the people who matter most. Right. All right, we move to Lancaster County next, Ken, with Roy Minnett, or Minet. He's in Mount Joy, and he decided not to send in a question, but rather make an opinionated statement, I suppose, saying that replace the brain-dead plurality voting method, which actually is a cause of increasing polarization. <laughs> that is Roy. Roy is actually a brilliant expert when it comes to different voting systems. And a lot of people don't know it. Plurality voting is. That's what we have now. Winner take all. 49 to 51%. The 51% guy wins, even though most people, mo many people, almost the majority, don't want him. And he's right. That is a cause for polarization because it leads to a, a two party system because people are afraid to vote for people outside of the top two. So they vote for the lesser of two evils, thinking that or not stopping to think that they're still voting for an evil. Lesser of two evils is still an evil. In talking to Roy, I saw him at a ballot access, Pennsylvania Ballot Access Coalition meeting two weeks ago. We're working on a new bill to help make the Pennsylvania elections more fair. Pennsylvania Constitution says that all elections shall be free and equal, but right now it's far from free and equal. For example, we libertarians, we have to collect, depending on the office, 
two to ten times as many signatures as the two old party candidates do. And that certainly does not sound fair or equal. Mm. I've actually taken that to court several times, and I've actually won. I've gone all the way to Supreme Court. Three times I've gone, and the last time we won. In order to run for statewide office, we needed 15, 20, 30,000, up as high as 67,000 signatures, where the two old parties only need 2,000. And we won the court case, and the judge just struck it down and says, well, that's way too many. Why don't we knock it down to 5,000? And we said, judge, that's not equal. He's like, shut up or we'll leave it away. No, he didn't say that. He was actually very, very good. I'll pass along his name, Judge Stengel. I give him a shout out. He did a very, very, very good job. Not quite constitutional, but it's a step in the right direction. I'm not an all-or-nothing libertarian. I like to go in steps, and that's certainly a step. But what Roy is talking about instead of plurality voting is some sort of ranked choice voting where you can vote for your top three. And in fact, in Toastmasters, that's how we decide contests. Whoever comes in first gets three points. Whoever comes in second gets two points. Whoever comes in third gets three po- one point. Sorry, whoever you vote for. Like if I vote for Art, Art would get as number one choice, he would get three points. If I vote for Joe as my number two choice, he would get two. Vote for myself as three, I would get number one, I would get one point. Then you total up all the points, and the person with the most points wins. And Roy has a big long name for that. I'm not gonna remember what it is. I call it Toastmaster voting. <laughs> but that's what he's looking for, because what that would do is that would make it easier for you, the voter, to vote for somebody that you want without actually having to make only one single choice. So you may say, oh, I don't like Art best. I like Ken best. So you can give Ken your number one choice and maybe not vote for Art at all. He doesn't get any. And there are long mathematical proofs that show that that's one of the better ways of doing it and also that somebody could have no first choices and actually win because most people find them the most palatable candidate. So we should, I would agree, we should replace that brain-dead plurality voting method which actually causes polarization, and we'll be talking about that more later on. I agree with Roy. All right. Let's head on out to Allegheny County, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with Jonathan Klonofsky. He writes in saying that he's a grad student – I'm sorry, he's a graduate student office in the Pitt Science Policy Group at the University of Pittsburgh, and says that they wanted to get your input on the following science question – You have your science hat on? (laughs) My degree's in physics. It's always on. All right. We'll see what happens here then. He says that Pennsylvania hosts many world-class research institutions that work in a broad range of disciplines. He asks, what is your outlook on the role of the government in funding basic research, research that doesn't have an immediate impact on health or industry? (laughs) That's funny, too. Excuse me. Because I get a great number of questions, especially during the governor campaign. What should government do to help X, where X is a a city, an organization, a profession, STEM education, science and technology, basic research, this, that, the other thing, whatever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the fundamental question underlying all that is what is the proper role of government? As a libertarian, I believe that the only role for government is to protect the rights and property of the citizens. That's it. To go anywhere beyond that creates a battlefield for the special interests, which is what we have today. It's not to say people who push their own special interests are wrong. They're just asking the wrong patron. The person they should be asking is the free market. Let me give you a couple good examples. Boeing. They have an extensive apprentice program where they train students how to build airplanes, spacecraft. And rather than letting students rack up a six-figure debt, they pay the students to learn while they work. 
Same thing with the airline industry. They're training their own pilots. Ditto for the school that Elon Musk runs at SpaceX. So rather than the government providing special, provide, pandering to the special interests by providing Votech schools and things like that, we should be following the lead of Boeing, SpaceX, by providing them, providing them themselves and allowing the free market to take its role. Because the government has no special knowledge when it comes to research or backing any one special interest over another. Just look at the mess with the Solyndra solar panel thing. They went bankrupt. And here in Pennsylvania a couple of years ago, Governor Shipyards, Governor Ridge at the time were, was pushing them, and they went bankrupt. And when government backs Group A over Group B, how can Group B ever think about competing? What about the taxpayers? may have moral qualms about supporting one or the other. That's what happens all the time when government chooses to fund one or the other. Well, there's a lot more about that. I could talk about my buddy Davy Crockett, and I'll save him for later too. But at the moment, these special interests who want their money for this, that, or the other thing, they're bankrupting Pennsylvania the nation. I stand against government funding special interests. Let's cut spending, thereby allowing us to cut taxes, stimulate the economy, and empowering the free market to address the needs of society. On that note, did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, caster of the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job. At least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader? Communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me. I'm a Toastmaster, and now I have my own radio show. So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact the club nearest you. Visitors are always welcome, and be sure to mention my name. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. It all starts with Toastmasters.org. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to the them portion of Episode 7 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help us showcase the political, cultural, and environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. My guest today is Joe Bersawi. He's a card-carrying Republican, of all things, host of the Cup of Joe talk show online, past mayoral candidate in Allentown, PA, as a libertarian, I might add, now GOP. I'm going to explore that past guest on Fox News, a representative for Turning Point USA, 
and he likes to participate in debates across the United States to promote the conservative movement. And he's here with us today. Joe, welcome to the Pennsylvania Project. Well, uh, you know, thanks for having me. I uh, really appreciate coming out here. Oh, it's the other way around. Glad to have you here, yeah. especially since you're a member of the loyal opposition. Oh, yeah. GO- yeah. GOP. What makes you GOP? Uh, honestly, I, th- there's many things that make me a, a Republican. And uh, as we mentioned before, I did run for mayor of Allentown under uh, the Libertarian Party, which was an interesting uh, experience. And um, it, 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 to be quite honest with you, I think that the, the Republican Party kind of took me in in a sense of uh, it's the closest thing to what I personally believe in. I am a conservative, um, and uh, sometimes I call myself a conservatarian because I have some libertarian beliefs. Uh-huh. Uh, but I I think that Republican Party is the closest thing to uh, my, my philosophy. And as well, uh, you know, it, to me, with this current voting system that we do have, if you are going to try to make change within government, you're going to have to win elections, and it's hard for libertarian to win. Um, that's just plain, simple, uh, true. That's true. And I mentioned that about how we have to get yeah. two, three, five, ten that's times ridiculous. as many signatures. It is. That's ridiculous. I, I, I completely um, agree with you on that. I uh-huh. think that you know libertarians should, should have the same equal, fair chance as Republican or Democrat. Well, does that mean you want to have libertarians in the primary or you want to eliminate state-sponsored primaries? It's a good question. Um, I think that— I have a, I have a good answer. <laughs> yeah, what's your answer? Well, you guys are— Bring them in. You're, you're special interest. You're looking for some of the government money to pay for your candidate selection process. Why should I pay for a GOP candidate selection process? You're not paying for the libertarian selection process. Yeah, and I, I think that's unfair. I agree. So let's— Let's get around. Let's end the primary primaries. Well, I think that having a primary, in a sense, is, can be important in the sense of trying to take down what you know. What is the Republican candidate for this election? I agree. So you know, I, for example, right now today, the Democrats have twenty three presidential candidates. I agree. I, I don't think any Democrat's going to make a good choice out of the twenty three like that in, in a general election. So I think that it's a good idea for any party to have a primary with I, multiple candidates. I agree with you completely. You're yeah. just not addressing my point. My point is, should people who are not in your party be forced to pay for it? I say no. No. There you go. It's like having – and I talked about this in episode five a couple of weeks ago sure. about ending primaries. When I was running for governor of Pennsylvania in, in 2018 – one of my planks was I was going to use the line item, line item veto to zero out funding hmm. for primaries because why is it fair? You know, why have an atheist decide who's going to be a priest? Sure. It just shouldn't be there. So you agree with that? I do, yeah. There you go. I'm a very understanding person, you know. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you're intelligent too. Now, you sound, that sounds very libertarian right there. And, so I'm a conservatarian. Uh, okay. So <laughs> – now, you said you were a libertarian. You ran as a libertarian, and now right. you found a home in the GOP. And you right. said that's it's just easier for you. Are there philosophical things that you had to set behind that you as a libertarian believe in that now you've got to bury and hide? Uh, I mean, decriminalizing marijuana is a big thing. Um, I am totally for it. Uh, most of the Republican Party, I think I want to say the establishment Republican Party is not for it. Uh, President Trump is for decriminalization and I think eventually legalization of marijuana. Uh-huh. Uh, which which is a good thing, but well, no, I I think it doesn't matter. I mean, what does President Trump have to say about what we do inside of Pennsylvania? Well, I agree with you. I'm for states' rights. Yep, and there you, go. Well, you know, then why why bring up Mr. Trump? 
Well, saying that that some Republicans believe in it, some Republicans don't. Uh-huh. So the major- I think that the majority of the GOP is for um, keeping it criminalized. Um, but, you know, Why? I have no idea. You know, my, my brother had Hodgkin's disease, a form of cancer, and, the, mm-hmm. and the, the chemotherapy was really getting him down. And this is about 20 years ago. He's fine now. Good. But, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But the doctor says the best thing I tell you for that sickness from the chemotherapy is to go out and cop yourself some pot. Right. Well. The, the drug laws made my brother a criminal. Why are we persecuting sick people? How can there be people in the Republican Party who want to persecute sick people? You know, I, I, again, I don't have to agree with everything that my party stands for. Yeah, but you wear their uniform, you know? Don't have to agree with them all the time. That's true. One thing I like about being a libertarian is I don't have to do that. I'm, I believe, like all libertarians, that you have the right to live your life your way without interference, provided yeah. only that you respect the rights and property of others. Sure. Yeah. I think that, that Republicans— you know, a lot of Republicans do believe in that, and a lot of Republicans, um, and I'm not talking about the ones that have been in office, but just normal GOP like members uh-huh. ha- do actually believe in that. They just don't, in a sense, they're they're voting for people simply because they're Republican. I think that's an issue. I agree. Matter of fact, I'm going to mention that later on about pulling that big lever. Yeah, big R lever, big D lever. Yeah, primaries are coming up, so. Although, although I'll tell you, I felt very proud to pull that big L lever. <laughs> I'm lazy, and I'll be the first to admit it. I think laziness is a virtue. All yeah. human progress progress was brought about by laziness. Well, it's true. Yep. You hire the laziest person, they'll find the easiest way to do something. That's right. <laughs> there's there's a story by Robert Heinlein, the libertarian sci-fi author. The title was "The Man Who Was Too Lazy to Fail," yeah. and I would agree with that. <laughs> but let, let's pull it back. So I could go up to any libertarian and say, hey, you have the right to live your life your way as long as you respect others. And they'll smile and nod. Sure. So there are people you're in your party who won't do that, who won't ag- agree with that statement because they're going to say, no, you, you can't do it. You can't legalize marijuana. You can't legalize cocaine. You can't legalize heroin. And I, I, you know, I think the Republican Party is changing. I agree. Dramatically. But I was leading up to a point. The point is we have a central pin- principle. Uh. What is the central principle that binds the GOP together? Central principle is, I mean, if, you see, that's where we get into a difficult thing because I, I, I used to think it was free markets, free people. Uh huh. And not. now the Trumplican Party is saying that Trumplican, it's. Trumplican, you called it? I call it the Trumplican Party. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the Trumplican Party it. is saying uh, tariffs, uh, trade wars. Crazy. You know, the Dow's down 700 points and I'm, I'm crying in my room right now. That's, that's, that's the Trumplican Party now. Uh huh. Well, and it's, it, again, I am a supporter of the president. Um, I'm a sport president. I'm going to the rally on, on Monday. And, you know, it's – I don't have to agree with everything that the president does. Well, let me quote Ayn Rand. You're supporting your destroyers. Just, just somebody who's destroying your wealth. You said you're in your room crying over the 700-point <laughs> drop. Although my personal investment philosophy relies on high beta stocks. Okay. So people like him, they're actually helping me, but I don't agree with what he's doing. I see. So let's get back to it. What's that central principle? I think the central principle – I mean – it has to be wit when it comes to being the more conservative major party, because we all know the Democratic Party is not. All right. I, let me go a little further. What do you mean by conservative then? Low taxes. Okay. I know libertarians are for eliminating I, taxes, but I mean. <laughs> well, we're in favor of the private, the free market taking care of things. Right. My favorite example is if I took your wallet, I'd be a thief. If those of sitting here in the room took your wallet voted to take your wallet, we'd all be thieves. Right. But when all of a sudden when it becomes 
Balakinwood or Philadelphia or Pennsylvania or mm-hmm. the United States. It's okay. Somehow it became okay. So I, I think that that's a really interesting um, thing. I, I think we're too far in society to start saying, you know what, let's get rid of all taxes. Because at this point in, in time, we have so many people that are reliant on the government. Well, that's an issue. There's no question about that. Yeah. Anything that we do is going to have to be done in small steps. It has to be, yeah. And, and I have a long, detailed plan to do that. Matter of fact, the commercial for Atlas Snobs, the book, it outlines a workable alternative to the welfare state, as the commercial says. Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I agree with helping people, but I think that there are charities out there that can do it. Uh, there, you know, there are charities I, out there that can do it. I agree. You should read Atlas Snubbed. I bet you would. You, you would see, enjoy I'm a big it. fan of Ayn Rand. So then you would like it because okay. it's, it's a pastiche parody, and pastiche okay. has two meanings. One of them means patchwork. So oh. I, I pull out different things that her characters have said, although I tend to put them in the mouth of the opposite, opposite philosophical person. But pastiche also means something that is done in honor of somebody. Okay. And so I do this to honor Ayn Rand because she's the one who made me a libertarian through her writings, and as I like to say, uh, as a matter of fact, it says in the dedication, she taught me how to argue with fools, and the first fool that I had to argue with was myself. Mm. And I'll let you decide who won that argument. My guest today, Joe Brasawi, card-carrying Republican and host of the Cup of Joe talk show online, and you're listening to The Pennsylvania Project. I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and we'll be right back after this information. You've been a registered libertarian for years, voted for libertarians even longer, and lived by libertarian principles all your life. Now it's time to take the next step and join the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of the march toward liberty in Pennsylvania. Take an active role in making it happen. Maybe even consider running for local political office yourself. It all starts with joining the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy, fast, and only $20 a year. So visit lppa.org to sign up today. That's lppa.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting. Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen with a V, W-E-R-L-E-Y dot com. Are you arranging your finances in the most tax-efficient way possible? Call Freedom Financial Tax at 866-401-1090 today to find out. At Freedom Financial Tax, we use creative tax solutions like infinite banking to make sure you're keeping as much of your hard-earned money as possible. Let Freedom Financial Tax help you out with a comprehensive tax plan. Call Freedom Financial Tax now at 866 401 1090. Thinking about getting your first tattoo? Maybe you're ready to add that sleeve you started or cover up that one regretful choice. Put Sam C. and his team of artists at Iron Will Tattoo Club in Glenside, Pennsylvania at the top of your list. The team at Iron Will has plenty of designs to choose from. They can create an original design or work with a design that you provide. 
call 267-893-7625 today to schedule your free consultation. That's 267-8-WE-ROCK. Or visit them on Instagram at Iron Will Tattoo Club. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and we are back with Episode 7 of the Pennsylvania Project. And our guest, Joe Bezrawi, card-carrying member of the GOP, host of the Cup of Joe talk show online, and a whole bunch of other things. I'm not going to yeah. go through the whole intro again. <laughs> Glad you're back. Do you know, beforehand, before the break, we were talking about philosophy of the parties. Yeah. Libertarian, I already mentioned, your life, your way, as long as you respect others. And you had a, a couple of different ones. Now, you used to be a libertarian. I guess I want to focus on those areas where, you'd, where you felt that we were not quite doing what we should be doing, or you felt you should be heading in a different direction. And let me, let me frame it. There's something called the World's Smallest Political Quiz by David Nolan, sometimes called the Nolan Chart. And it shows that the political spectrum is not just left-right. Mm. It's actually a diamond where the left and right are points, left and right points in that diamond. And the diamond itself is graded in personal freedom on the left side and economic freedom on the right side. And what you could do is you could find yourself on that political spectrum by figuring out how much personal freedom you like versus economic freedom. So people on the left, they agree with a high degree of personal freedom, but a low degree of economic freedom. So that pushes them all the way over to the one side. Are, are we talking about, so when you, when you mention the left and you're saying personal freedom, I, I tend to disagree with that. Talking uh, about the left, like today left? They do, don't they? Sure, they agree with a high degree of personal freedom. Like the Democratic Party. Yeah. Well, I, the, I don't I, not I, agree and with I, that. And I realize I'm painting with a broad brush here. No, the, let me get into some of the specific things. People on the left are in favor of gay marriage, multiple marriages. They're in favor of ending this insane war on drugs. Sure. All these different things. Personal freedom, where you make the choice. Whereas the people on the right, they believe in a high degree of economic freedom, mm. as you mentioned, lower taxes, lower regulation, but a very low degree of personal freedom. So they're in your bedroom telling you what you can and can't do, who you can marry, and things like that. So I, I think that— well, Just to finish the thought, yeah. we libertarians, we believe in personal freedom and economic freedom. So we're at the top of the diamond. Democrats, generally speaking, are on the left of the diamond. Republicans are on the right of the diamond. And there are people down the bottom of the diamond. There are people who don't believe in personal freedom or economic freedom. And there are Adolf Hitlers and people like that. Sure. Okay. So I, I think that like today's left, like the Democratic Party— um, and, and I think you mentioned you, I mean, you mentioned personal freedom, but I think that like we've been seeing today's Democratic Party has been very much so against uh, personal freedom. Can you give me a specific example? For example, freedom of speech. Uh, that's a very good one on campuses and things like on that. campuses. And, and, and I think that I think that the, the left has has gone too far in that sense. The left is not for personal freedom when it comes to firearms. The left is not for personal freedom when it comes to. Uh, you know, whether you want to express something, you know, because, uh -huh. I, you know, I, I just told you, yeah. I just got called a racist on Instagram, like, <laughs> I, simply because I stated a statistic from the FBI UCR. So I, you know, uh, I think that yeah. it, you know, when you have, when you, when you mentioned the left, personal freedom, I do, I cannot agree with that because today's left. That's a, that's a fair statement. Yeah. Today's left is for censoring people, taking their guns away, which then gets away the. You take our guns away, you take our, our speech away and our 
expression. Uh-huh. You're taking away our personal freedom. I, I agree completely. And the Pennsylvania Constitution says the right of the citizens to bear arms shall not be questioned. Shall not be questioned. I have no question what that means. But you're pulling me to one side here. Let me pull you back. What I'm, the reason why I wanted to get that overall picture of mm. the left and the right on the diamond, what is it that pulls you down from the libertarian view? What is it that you disagree with on the libertarians that pulls you down to the right side of that diamond? That's a good question, really. Um, Thank you. I think that you're making me question myself. That's, that's part of our goal that. here because we're, I love and I hate it. we're looking for the challenges that are facing Pennsylvania and the yeah. solutions. And to my mind, the two old parties are one of the biggest challenges, which is why I'm going to be talking about that they stick in my craw. And that's going to be my rant for the last couple of minutes of the show. So I, I think, I mean, free markets is a big thing for me. That's true. Same thing with libertarians. I mean, what separates you from the libertarians? What separates me from libertarians? I think it has to be like, uh, honestly, some sort of. Um, I'd say that there are there should be some restrictions on certain things. I don't think felons should have a firearm. Felons have committed a a violent crime. But you know that's a relative term, felon. I know a buddy of mine. He was growing some marijuana in his backyard, and they counted the plants, and they said, "Oops, you're over the line." Well, I said you, violent sir, crime. Or, I said you said felon. Felons have a violent crime. Okay. Well, I guess I don't use the word felon. I would just say violent crime. Right. You mean not. At all, not ever. I think that they should be able to vote. I don't think they should be able to have a firearm if they, for example, aggravated assault, assault murder. Was that, was that a yes or a no? I said ask forever. Ever? Forever. 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 Good grief. And, and I know, but I they're know. doing that now for domestic disputes. You know, a guy and his wife have an argument. All of a sudden, they take away his guns, and you'd have to take them away forever. Did he? And you call yourself was it aggravated a assault? Was it aggravated assault? Uh, well, who can say? You know, guys. Well, I think if you I lay be, your hands been, on someone, I've been married forty-two years. Sure. And let me tell you, there there are times when it's it gets interesting, and all it takes is for her or me to call the cops, and now the cops are there, and they're going to say, oh, and maybe it's true, maybe it isn't true, sure, but they take them away. One thing that I've talked about before on the show, and something that I would push for in that situation and dozens of others, is I wouldn't go for a carry permit or taking away somebody's guns like that. Instead, if somebody is an idiot with their gun, if they're convicted by a court of some kind of a crime, as part of their sentence, they get a can't-carry license. So you or I, we could just carry anytime we want because we are law-abiding citizens. But if we're an idiot with a gun, when we get convicted, part of our sentence would be you get a can't license. And that would last for a certain period of time. It may be a year, two years. And this could also be used for people who drink too much. People who drink okay. and drive, you get a can't drink license. Frackers who make a mess, you get a can't frack license. So, so you mentioned a, a can't license. Correct. Oxymoronic though it may uh, be. Yeah, yeah. So, so then my question is, you, you mentioned a can't carry license. You mentioned a, a can't drink license. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell me a college student that hasn't drank. That's under the age of twenty-one. Why, Tell me a why, a, why does a that gang matter? Member. Why does that matter? Because it's still going to happen. I think. Yeah, that if, you're right. If you, you know were what? To, I, went, I was at University of Pennsylvania speaking at a forum on lowering the drinking age. And when I walked in, the guy says, oh, you're the, you're the libertarian. You're in favor of lowering the drinking age? I said, no. I'm in favor of eliminating the <laughs> drinking age. Yeah. So I don't care if a college student drinks. The question is, is he out there acting like an idiot? Is he driving his car and crashing into people? If he gets convicted of doing something wrong, I don't care if he's been drinking. If he's sitting there smoking a joint, getting drunk, watching The Simpsons, it's none of my business. Right. Right, But if he commits a crime, part of that sentence would be, oh, you, you were drunk while you were driving, you ran over a little old lady, you get a can't-drive license. 
So I'm not just going to say, oh, you can't drive because you're a college student. No, I'm saying that that's not going to stop anyone. I know. Well, people get their driver's licenses taken away now, and that doesn't stop They them. still drive. Yeah. So they te- te- technically, they cannot drive. Yeah, but it's the same thing. If we catch you with a gun and you have a can't carry permit or you, whatever the can't license is, we throw you in jail. We up the stakes. We take kind the next step. To, to exact, that's kind of similar to what we have today, though. No. The big difference is you don't have to ask permission from big mommy government. May I please carry a gun? May I please give me a concealed carry permit? Can I please have a driver's license? But wouldn't that go against the Pennsylvania Constitution? No. Where? You're questioning on how that they cannot carry that firearm. No. It says right to bear arms shall not be questioned. So I'm now you're infringing it. on their right of them not being able to carry it down the street to protect themselves. So now we're having Whoa, 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 whoa. No. No. What's happened is this guy was an idiot with a gun. Okay. He proved himself unworthy of carrying the gun because he's not respecting the rights of others. Sure. So part of his sentence, having been convicted of being that idiot, we give him that can't carry permit or can't carry license. I'm I'm playing devil's advocate here. Okay. If if you believe that everyone, no matter what, should be able to have the right to defend themselves because of the Second Amendment. I do. Then we can't have that. Well, you see, you you have to because he has he has set the rules. The rules are we respect each other. Your life, your way, as long as you respect others. He's now violated that rule. He's been sure. an idiot with his gun, idiot drinking, whatever being an idiot he was. He has now said that rule no longer holds. So he has set the rule saying, you don't have to respect my rights because I don't respect yours. And I, I threw the first punch. I didn't respect yours. So now we don't have to respect his. He's, he set the rule we're following it. I see. But if you're nice to me, if you respect others, you're setting the rule. Right. I set the rule, and we're we're friends. Okay. I can see that. But so there yeah. you go. There's a solution to all kinds of ills, whether it's yeah, I mean, guns I think or that... drugs or alcohol or fracking sure. or insurance or business regulation or anything along those lines. And I mean, I'm all for slashing regulations. I, I think that you should not have a – there should not be a concealed carry permit in general. I agree. There there, there should be a – I have one, but – Yeah, I, I, that's I it's will been... be having one. <laughs> what? I'm 20. Right, right shall not be questioned. I know. It's it's stupid. I, I, <sighs> I, I, I Listen, I'm good friends with my sheriff. Yeah. And I called him the other day. I said, listen, there was a homicide one block from my house the other day. Can I carry a gun? Uh-huh. He said, yeah, you can open carry. I said, yeah, but I want to go in my car. I want to I wear a jacket. If it's cold out, he goes, nope. I can't conceal carry. Yep. So what's the difference? I still have a gun. Freeze. <laughs> get, get, catch, catch pneumonia. So, yeah, pretty much. Right? All right, Joe, I'm going to pull you back a little bit. I'm not sure I heard an answer to my question. What was it about the libertarian platform that pulled you from the top of the diamond? Right. I, I, it has to do with the, uh, I think that felons should not have firearms. Well, I just told you a way that we could do that. If this person's a felon who's an idiot with a gun or he beat up his wife or something like that, we, he's got a can't carry permit. So we're fine. Well, so what else I brought say you down? forever. You say for eight years. Oh, no. It's up to the judge. Up to the judge. Yeah. So can there we, be a life sentence on that? There could be. Okay. You know, if it's like Charles Manson or somebody like right, that. Right, or, right. Oh, let's pick a Pennsylvania guy. Gary Heidnick. There you go. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but somebody like that. Yeah. It could be a permanent thing. But sure. that's for the courts to decide, not to be decided by statute. I see. Okay. So um, what brought you down from the top? It sounds like more. I'm pulling you back up to the top yeah, of the I mean, diamond yeah, there, Joe. I mean, I... I I'm a very open-minded guy. I could see that. So I, I liked seeing other – I mean, uh, not to sidetrack or anything, but I went in front of the White House and I, I ran to a protester. And he was screaming and yelling and all this anti-Trump stuff. And I just looked at him. 
And then as soon as he was done, he sat down on a curb. I sat down right next to him and I had a long, probably an hour long conversation with him. Uh-huh. And I promised him I was going to go visit him again. He, yeah. Very left leaning guy. Uh-huh. Very nice guy. Once you sit down with him, he actually, that's why I like, I like being open minded and he, listen to other people I, I may not agree with. Most people are like that. And you know, when I first got involved in politics, I was expecting threatening phone calls and yeah. slash tires and stuff. I mean, I but do, I, f- I get that now. But. Do you? I find I that mean, virtually everybody is. They care about their neighborhoods. They care about their families. It's maybe, very, maybe because you are a libertarian and you would want uh, you, yeah do whatever you want. And then I'm a Republican. It's and, not do it. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You're gonna say hey, you can't smoke that. I'm joy. a racist, homophobe, Islamophobe kind of guy. This is what happens when you hang out with people who are racists and homophobes and all those. But other I, sorts I of things. find it hard to believe that people would legitimately think that the Republican Party is a racist party. Well, what about? Well, I'm not going to defend or attack the Republican Party, sure. but there are, there are numerous examples of things that they've done. And what Trump has been doing, just point to Donald Trump, some of the things that he's been doing on the border. Like but I don't want to talk about Mr. Trump because this is a Pennsylvania oh, show. Gosh, you, got, you were going to get me going for a minute. I, no, <laughs> no. You talked about the border. <laughs> no. Well, you know, I got asked that question a lot when I was running for governor. What would I do about the border? With Jersey? My, yeah, but that's what my build answer was. I said, no, we're gonna keep, <laughs> I'm going to keep the bridges open with New Jersey. I'd rather build a wall and have Jersey pay for it, <laughs> honestly. Uh, keep the drivers over there. My wife and I, we call Jersey the police state. It's, uh, it's just, I call it's, California California. Ah, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, too. California. So, you know, let me let me just give you a yes or no. Do you want to tell me what it is that's pulling you down from the top of that diamond? Because I keep I asking. I am just the, trying to figure it out. I, I don't know that there is anything. Except that you hang out with some rather shady characters well, there. More so, I mean, I've seen that the Libertarian Party is kind of split when it comes to abortion. I'm a, I'm completely pro-life. Uh, I'm for, um, you know, uh, I don't want to talk about the Alabama bill but uh, that just passed. But, yeah. you know, there's some things that I that, disagree that with. Real, that was a real abortion, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, it, Pardon it, the pun. it was a, it, I don't agree with the whole bill, but I think that it, it's, it's, uh-huh. it's a little bit too far. Well, there's, there's an easy solution from a libertarian point of view. And that's to defuse the whole thing, not by changing the abortion laws, but by changing the adoption laws. I agree. I, I'm a big advocate for adoption. Well, the one that we're looking at is prenatal adoption. Okay. That way, if a woman does not want her unborn child, anybody can step forward and volunteer to adopt it while it's still in the womb. And, of course, they pay for the delivery, and mm. the woman could say yes or no. Mm. So if she says yes, well, we just save the baby. Sure. But we've left the choice up to her. So it's pro-life and pro-choice. And since a lot of babies are aborted for economic reasons, we are guaranteed, guaranteed to reduce the number of abortions that are going on. And that's something I'm, I'm all for. But I've seen a lot of people in the Libertarian Party that are pro-choice completely, that are for abortion. I, I agree. And, and, that's, I, and that's a I've big actually, problem. I've actually, I agree with that, too. I've actually had one come up to me and say, I explained to her about you could ask the, the mother to please bring it to term, and she could say yes or no. And she said to me, what if I just want to kill it? Well, that's violent. Yeah. I mean, that's that, that was rough. It, it comes I, so. I, I said, "Don't vote for me." Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I, I I was just at a libertarian conference. Weird, right? Um, <laughs> we'll just, get you back yet, Joe. Yeah, we'll see. I I don't know. I <laughs> um, so I was just at a libertarian conference. I met a lot of libertarians that were on the right and the left, and I was like, "What's going on here? This makes no sense to me." Uh-huh. And I, I met a lot that what works for Planned Parenthood. I met one that works for Planned Parenthood. That's crazy. And and I asked her many questions. I said, you know, uh, how are you pro-choice? And she said, well, I think that the government should not be involved in my life. I said, I, I, I agree. I agree. 
but the government should protect the life that's inside, that the baby's life. Well, it depends which government you're talking about. If you're talking about the federal government, uh, they don't have any authority. The 14th Amendment says all persons yeah. born, and if they're not born, then they're, they're not a citizen sure. of the United States. That's straight out of the 14th Amendment. Okay. And people misinterpret Roe v. Wade that way because the justices said, you know, we have no authority here. It's up to the states. Well, That's why Alabama can have this abortion of an abortion bill. Right. Roe v. Wade is, is a it, it's a privacy issue. Correct. It's not even it's, an abortion issue. It's a privacy issue. All those things. But it all it, it's the same result. It all comes back on the states. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not here to talk about Roe v. Wade either. Right. But you're going to find people with varying opinions – on that, especially on that issue within any, yeah, no, any organization. I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of that. That's a big thing for me. It's when it comes to pro-life. So I think that, you know, maybe that's that's one of the biggest things that's brought me back to the GOP. Okay, well, we could save more babies with a, I call it pro-option, with pre- I, I, prenatal adoption. I like that a lot, honestly. Thank you. I really do. Well, you know, then that's a, a positive note that we can end on because Perfect. I'm looking at the clock and it's already... Jess, that was quick. Yeah, I know. It always goes really, really quick. I re- that's one thing I really enjoy here. So that's going to wrap it up for the them portion of the Pennsylvania Project, Episode 7. Thanks again to my guest, Joe Bizrawi, card-carrying member of the GOP, soon to be back in the libertarian <laughs> fold, I would hope. <laughs> Joe, do you have any last websites or something like that? People that get uh, in touch with you or something? Just find me on social media, anywhere on Joe Bizrawi, and uh, hope, to, hope to be back. Okay. That'd be well, cool. Thanks again to my guest, Joe, for appearing on the Pennsylvania Project. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'll be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw, the two old political parties. The following is a commercial announcement. Sure is. <laughs> All right. How's it going? Eh, could be better. Why? What's the matter? I just found a great job, but I can't take it. Why not? They want me to go as a 1099 contractor. So? So what about all the taxes? You got federal taxes, federal taxes, state taxes, this tax, that tax. I have better things to do, Ken, than figuring out the tax laws and filling out all those forms. I'm a libertarian, remember? Then you need Amendment 16. Ken, it's the damned 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them. And when your client pays them, they pay you. Minus all required taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, April 15th. And they take care of all the taxes, all the forms. Yep. And they can pass along certain tax breaks, too. Sounds perfect. Where do I find them? On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. Amendment S-I-X-T-E-E-N dot com. One call does it all. Do you need a state inspection, emissions testing, tires, brakes, exhaust, suspension work, or routine factory scheduled maintenance? For all of your automotive service needs, visit Wallace Auto Service at 700 East Haverford Road in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. Wallace Auto even has a Phillips 66 gas station where you can fill up at great low prices. Check out Wallace Auto online at wallaceautoservice.com or call them at 610-658-9000. For over 16 years, Wallace Auto Service has been proud to serve the Bryn Mawr, Haverford area. 
Stop in, say hello, and fill up your tank at Wallace's Great Low Prices. That's Wallace Auto Service and Phillips 66 Gas Station at 700 East Haverford Road in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. Or give them a call at 610-658-9000. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and welcome to the me portion of Episode 7 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant a bit about something that really sticks in my craw. And you know what sticks in my craw? The two old political parties, the Democrats and the Republicans. Now, Joe and I were just talking about things. What do they stand for? When I look at their membership, I'm not really sure who represents the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. Look at the Democrats. You got people like John Kennedy. Then you got socialists like Bernie Sanders or radicals like Lyndon LaRouche. Well, what do those three people have in common? On the Republican side, you got Ronald Reagan, who I who's the first Republican I ever voted for. And then you've got Donald Trump. And then you've got David Duke, who's a flat-out racist. What thread binds those three people together? What what are their positions as, as, as party for the Democrats and Republicans? I'm not quite sure. And, you know, you have to go and ask them, like we were doing with Joe earlier today. What do you stand for? What are you for? What are you against? But the thing is, you have to go back and ask them again six months later because they keep changing their viewpoints. Are they pro-war now or anti-war now? You know, first of all, Obama said he was going to end the war, and then Mr. Trump said he was going to end the war, but each one keeps sending more and more troops. Are they pro-tax, anti-tax, pro-regulation, anti-regulation? doesn't depend only on who you ask, but when you ask. It's a moving target. Of course, as I mentioned, we libertarians are different from the two old parties because we are the party of principle. Every law we support or oppose can be traced back to one central idea, the idea that your life is yours, that your property is yours, that you have the inalienable right to live your life your way without interference, provided only that you respect the rights and property of others. Now, earlier in the show, I challenged Joe, and I challenge anyone to give me one short statement to say what either the two old parties stand for. Something that's going to be an umbrella to bring everybody in. I can go to any libertarian and say, your life, your way, as long as you respect others? And they'll say, yep. And that's it. But what's the difference? Let me quote the American political satirist, P.J. O'Rourke. He said, Democrats are in favor of high taxes to pay for greater spending. But Republicans are in favor of greater spending for which the taxpayers are going to have to pay. And, you know, that may be the Green Party's statement of principles, too. I'm not too sure. But it's certainly not libertarian. It does not fit under your life, your ways. Your way. I'll tell you, political parties outside the libertarians sound very, very dangerous to me. And I'm not alone. Probably one of the foremost Americans spoke out against them, George Washington, in his farewell address, which, by the way, was never delivered. It was written down, and he passed it around. He never stood up on a podium in front of a lect- behind a lectern and, and said it. Didn't know that. Yeah. Let me get a quote directly from, the, from his farewell address. Political parties serve to organize faction, to give faction an artificial and extraordinary force, to put in the place of the delegated will of the nation the will of the party. They are often small, a small but artful and enterprising minority of the community and according to the alternate triumphs of different parties, 
to make the public administration the mirror of the ill-concocted and incongruous projects of the faction, rather than the organ of consistent and wholesome plans digested by common councils and modified by mutual interests. However, combinations or associations of the above description may now and then answer popular ends, they are likely in the course of time and things to become potent engines by which cunning, ambition, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people and to usurp for themselves the reins of government, destroying afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust domination. Prophetic. Does that sound familiar? That's exactly what we have today. What, how do these political parties work? They have handlers. They have test audiences and focus groups. They never answer direct questions. When I ran for governor, I had reporters say to me, Ken, you're different. You actually answer a question. They say, should we legalize all drugs? Yes. Here's why. It's causing deaths. It's causing the opioid crisis. We can reduce opioid deaths by 85% by eliminating this war on drugs. And they're dumbfounded because I'm actually answering the questions. But instead, they're used to talking to the other people where their positions are based on polling, where it's tailored to a specific audience. These people are just an artful and enterprising minority, for sure. Worst examples we were talking about, these ballot access challenges. And they routinely kick us off the ballot, even though one-third of the state rep races in Pennsylvania typically go unopposed. I guess they're afraid of the competition. That's why they're kicking us off. But here at the Pennsylvania Project, we're all about solutions. So what's the solution? Internal reform within the two old parties? Yeah, right. That'll never happen. Replace the brain-dead plurality voting method with some ranked-choice voting method, as Roy mentioned earlier on? Well, things would certainly improve if we did that, but the parties would still remain. Do we change the Constitution to a more parliamentary style of government? That would be a long, drawn-out process, but in the end, parties would still remain. Getting rid of the straight party lever? Well, better yet, get rid of primaries like we were talking about. And I discussed that in episode five. But even if we did that, the parties would still remain. No matter what, it would appeal regardless, regardless of the solution, parties would still remain. So the only thing I think we can do is reduce the amount of damage they can do. This goes back to my response to the Pittsburgh Science Group at the University of Pittsburgh. Stop glad-handing taxpayer money around. And that starts with the separation of society and state, which is what we mentioned in the book Atlas Snubbed in the commercial earlier. Take away the course of power of taxation from, his, for his, from as many societal programs as possible and make funding voluntary. No more dipping into the taxpayers' seemingly bottomless pockets. George Washington is right. When it comes to political parties, it brings to mind another quote from P.J. O'Rourke. Giving money and power to the government is like giving whiskey and car keys to teenage boys. And the longer we allow it to go on, the sooner we're all going to get the crash we deserve. On that note, I'm going to wrap it up for Episode 7 of the Pennsylvania Project. If you have something to say, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com, and you can also hear us there, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, and whatever your popular podcast provider may be. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting every Saturday at 8.60 a.m. in Philadelphia, and podcast every Tuesday at PennsylvaniaProject.com. 
Our technical producer today is Paul Nicotera. Featured Toastmaster narrator, distinguished Toastmaster Art Farnsworth. Thank you, Art. You're welcome. Webmaster, Stephen Worley. Marketing guru, Connor Dragotis. Keyboard wizard, Joe Pag. Executive producer, Mark Bazzacco. And me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us. And remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. <laughs>